I am Thaddeus. I probably should have done that at the beginning of our time together, but I'm glad to be with you this morning. Just a couple things I want to go over before we get into the message, but just a reminder that we have our connection cards out in the lobby, and we'd love for you to fill those out. You can also do that online, so if you're watching with us online, feel free to do that as well. And don't forget about the gift that we have for you. But it's just a way that we can connect with you. If there's something that you need prayer for, we'd love to pray for you with that in mind. So please, make sure you fill out those connection cards. Also, tonight there is no house of prayer. We are going to pick that up again next week. So no house of prayer tonight. And also no connection point on Wednesday. So if you were looking forward to that, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but no connection point this week. Here's a suggestion. If you want to connect with people, you still can. Yeah, you are more than welcome to still have a connection point with somebody. It just will not be in an official Restoration Church capacity. So we actually would encourage you to go and do that. So find somebody, hang out with them, grab a coffee, go for McDonald's or pizza, whatever it is, mini golf, lots of great options for you to go and connect with somebody. Are you going to do it? Four of you are, and I'm going to follow up with each and every one of you. So, uh, Also a reminder that on Tuesday night at 5 p.m., I believe it's at Campbell Park, it is the National Night Out. It's an opportunity for us to serve our community. There was a, uh, I believe there was an email and potentially also a text message that was sent out earlier this week. So check that for more information. If that's something that you want to be a part of, we would encourage you to jump in on that. Also, I should say, if you are not getting emails or texts from the church about announcements or upcoming events, we would love for you to do that. You can do that by signing up on uh Church Center, I believe it is called. And uh, if you do not know how to do that, you can come ask me. You can ask somebody up here in the pit up front or somebody who's maybe at a uh, door greeting you. We would love to get you connected. And it's just a way that we are able to get you plugged in so you know what's happening here at Restoration Church and you can join in the family. Back at the lobby tables, a hard copy version of calendars are available if you want to see what's coming up. There's also some offering baskets where you're able to give to the areas that you would like to support and help us support. And uh, thank you so much for your generosity in giving. All right. How are we doing? Some of you are good. Some of you are like, stop yelling at me. I'm sorry. That's just, that's just how I operate. I... Uh, I sometimes yell, and I know that it was a little bit warm, so I wanted to try to wake some of you up that potentially had dozed off. So, But anyways, I am so glad that you are with us here at Restoration Church. Again, I am Thaddeus. Very excited to be speaking this morning. And over the last several months, we have been going through this book called The Life You've Always Wanted by a guy named John Ortberg. And it's been an incredible book. The purpose of it was to teach followers of Jesus, how to apply these spiritual disciplines or these tools or these avenues for us to connect with God and, and teach us how to apply these things to our daily lives so that we can walk closer to Jesus and ultimately we can have the life that we've always wanted. Whether you know it or not, there is a life, a, a style of life, a way of living that you and I all want and sometimes we don't realize it, but it's walking in step with Jesus. 
And that's the life that ultimately leads to us having fulfillment and joy and purpose. And so this book has been a way of showing followers of Jesus how do we go about living this life that we have always wanted. Now, let me get something out of the way early. I am not perfect. I don't want rumors spreading around Huron that that Thaddeus guy, he's perfect, because that would just ruin what I'm trying to go for here. I am not perfect, and I would hazard a guess that each one of us in the room, please don't take offense to this, but I would guess that none of us in this room are perfect in any capacity, but especially when it comes to implementing these spiritual disciplines, these spiritual tools on a daily basis for us to connect with God. Don't, don't tune out because I don't practice perfect spiritual disciplines. Please keep listening because we're all in the same boat. But because of that reason, because myself and yourself and everybody in the world, we are not perfect, I believe that the concluding chapter of this book that John Ortberg wrote is perfectly fitting because he writes about having endurance. Can you say that? Endurance. Can you say it like you believe it? Endurance. Nice. Ortberg, using the analogy of running a race in this concluding chapter, he says this. He says, the start of a race is enjoyable. It's easy. But he says, finishing well is what counts. How will we run the race of life? Will we finish well? And as followers of Jesus, when we start this lifelong process of deciding that we want to follow him, we probably have good intentions, maybe even great intentions of going his way, following him. But life has a way of getting in the way, doesn't it? Some of you know all too well what I'm talking about here. Sometimes maybe we get lazy and we allow other things to get in the way of spiritual disciplines. Things like family duties or job responsibilities. Maybe it's the kids' schedule. Things that are all good, by the way. Sometimes it's Netflix time or a book or fantasy football. Maybe I'm speaking only to myself. That one might be just too personal for me. But, but see, life happens. Things get in the way, and sometimes we begin to move away from these spiritual disciplines, implementing them on a daily basis, we're not perfect at it. But other times, I think the, the thing that maybe pushes us off course from putting into practice these spiritual disciplines, these spiritual tools, is our life circumstances that we find ourselves in. Things get tough. Not just to grow in our spiritual disciplines, but just simply to endure through this crazy thing we call life. I mean, just look at the last couple of years. Not, here, not only here in the U.S., but across the world, like politically, culturally. Any way you look at it, the last few years, we have gone through the ringer. And we're worn out. We're hurting and broken and confused. And all of those things that we're feeling can be summed up in one word called suffering. We live in a world where people are suffering. And unless we are prepared for these times of suffering, I fear what happens is, almost without thinking, we find ourselves beginning to stray away from the life that we have always wanted. Putting aside these spiritual practices, these tools, 
and replacing them with the other things that come up in our lives. And we're weary and we're tired. And sometimes it's just easier to not live the life we've always wanted and just simply go with the flow that we have in this world. So how do we endure life? How do we continue to grow in our faith? Well, if we want to endure, we need a firm foundation. We need a firm foundation. Interestingly enough, that song that we sang, I will build my life upon the firm foundation. Last night at about 5 o'clock, I was just kind of going over my notes one more time, and I was like, you know what? I really think the song Build My Life would be good to sing tomorrow. But I didn't text Christy and say, hey, can we sing that song tomorrow morning? And I showed up this morning, and sure enough, we're singing the song, I will build my life on the firm foundation. If we want to endure, we need a firm foundation. There's a lot of different foundations that you can build your life on. The world offers you many choices that you could choose. Things like political parties, maybe relationships, maybe your job or financial security. It might be substances. It might be your appearance. It might be a comparison that you have with somebody in your life. Maybe it's your work ethic. Maybe it's the vehicle that you drive. It could be whatever it is. We all have options as to a different foundation that we can build our life on. And for a time, these foundations may kind of keep us upright. For, for a, a period of time, we might feel like that foundation is working for us and we're okay. But then inevitably, as life happens, you enter a global pandemic that rips apart the fabric of our world. The economy goes into freefall. Gas costs $900 per liter or gallon. Sorry, my Canadianness just slipped out there. Maybe you lose your job. Or you receive a diagnosis that you never anticipated you would receive. Insert whatever it is, your suffering that you experience. See, when our lives are built on the foundations of the world, the things that the world says, this will keep you secure in place. This will provide you your security. But when we experience suffering, we quickly realize that what the world has to offer us does not provide us with a firm foundation. For a foundation strong enough to build our lives on and to endure through the suffering that we experience in this life, we need something more permanent. We need something more eternal. And King David, in the book of Psalms, he understands this. This is how the book of Psalms, the whole book, chapter 1, verse 1, this is how it opens. This is great. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. There's a lot of mockers in our world today. But he goes on, he says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I worked at one church just outside of Toronto, and it was a, a church that had a predominantly African and Caribbean church demographic. And after I read that verse, if I would have been in that church this morning, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do, I think the place would have stood up and they would have maybe sung another song. They would have just gone crazy. Some of you are looking at me like, what did you just read? Let me read it one more time. Their leaves never wither 
and they prosper in all they do. All right. Here we go. We're on our way. But see, when David writes that they delight in the law of the Lord, another way that you could say this or, or understand it is, is David is saying that they delight in the way of Jesus. Meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. The way of Jesus. When we incorporate the way of Jesus into our everyday life, it provides the firm foundation for the times that we're in deserts and storms and tossing waves. Jesus, his way, his word, his truth, his hope, his joy, his purpose, that is the foundation that's strong enough for you and I to endure through suffering. And, and it's strong enough to endure suffering because we know that when we are in the way of Jesus and when we are in times of suffering, we know that God is for us. We know that he is with us and nothing can stand against us. We've had some storms the last couple months that came through here on and knocked over trees, but there are some trees that are still standing strong. They, are, they were rooted in place. They were secure in where they were planted. And when you and I have the firm foundation of Jesus— in our lives, our roots go deep, we stand in the truth, and we are able to endure the times of suffering. And that's why, more than any other worldview, more than any other foundation that the world may offer you, the way of Jesus is better, even when that means enduring through suffering. The way of Jesus is better, even when that means enduring through suffering. The book of Hebrews is a really great glimpse into this idea of endurance. Now, I'll give you a little bit of the, the background here for the book of Hebrews. It's believed that it was written about 70 AD, so roughly 70 years after Jesus walked the earth. And Jews across the Roman Empire, but especially Christian Jews, were experiencing this intense persecution. And there was an incredible amount of suffering that people were walking through. And people were starting to fall away. They were saying, I can't do this anymore. This, what I'm going through right now, this persecution, this suffering that we're experiencing, I just, I don't think I can kick it one more day. And people began to put aside the faith that they once proclaimed in Jesus, and they began to revert back to their old way. Some reverted back to some of the old traditions and rituals of Judaism, but others altogether just began to walk away from their faith. And so the writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who it is. Some think it was Paul, but others suggest it was maybe Luke or Barnabas, or some say it might have been Apollos, or Phoebe is even somebody that could have potentially written this. But somebody who was at least close with Paul when he walked this earth would have likely written this book of Hebrews. And so they're, they're going about, the author of Hebrews, they're going about sending this letter to those who are experiencing persecution and experiencing suffering, and they are trying to encourage them to not give up by ultimately pointing them to the truth that the way of Jesus is always better, even in times of suffering. And that, that's kind of a, a summation of that, those first 10 chapters in the book of Hebrews. And then we get to chapter 11. 
And some of you are already saying, yes, chapter 11 of Hebrews, one of my favorite chapters in the book, because for the first 35 verses of Hebrews chapter 11, it's this incredible, you know, highlight after highlight of people who experienced this incredible victory as they remained faithful to God. People who were delivered from crazy things and saw incredible victories, whether it was in battle or whether it was over opposing forces and, and just victory after victory after victory. And you would think that I would go through Hebrews chapter 11 and I would say, see, God is our firm foundation that we can rest on and we can stand on. And I would be truthful in preaching that message this morning. But I actually want us to look at the last bit of Hebrews chapter 11. And it's almost this little footnote that gets thrown in there that if we don't look closely, we, we, we can almost like shuffle past it. And sometimes we maybe actually want to skip over it because it's a little bit of a weird way to encourage people. So let's, let's read this together. Hebrews 11, second half of verse 35 to the end 39. It says, but others were tortured. That's not encouraging. <laughs> I don't, stop reading this verse, that is. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection of Jesus. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. We almost maybe should have put like a PG-13 rating on this verse here. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. This is a weird way to encourage somebody, whoever you are, author of Hebrews. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. They earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. This isn't in my notes right now, but I think sometimes when we say that we're going to follow Jesus, we believe that we're owed this perfect life, or, or we maybe have this thought in our mind that things are going to be smooth. And the truth is that Jesus himself said that we're going to experience trouble. But he also said, take heart, because I've overcome the world. See, these people had earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet they didn't receive what God had promised. Somebody maybe just needed to be reminded. Maybe that was me, too. Let's keep reading. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. I'm assuming it's this section of verses that caused John Ortberg to write this in his chapter, he said, What do we do when we walk in the darkness and God seems distant and remote and silent? Like, when things are good, when we're not suffering, having Jesus as the foundation of our life, dare I say it, maybe it's almost easy sometimes. Like, there's, there's this enjoyment of sitting in God's word and, and spending time speaking to him in prayer, going to church and listening to sermons and gathering together with small groups and worshiping and serving. Like, when things are good, following Jesus is good. But when we suffer and we lose loved ones, we have those 
broken relationships or those unresolved conflicts, when we have the work situation that's not that like we anticipated, when the finances don't add up like we hoped they would, when we feel like we're wandering further and further and further away from God, how in those moments do we hold on to that firm foundation? How, how do we return to that foundation and endure through those times where God feels so distant? Well, I think the, the reader, if, the author of Hebrews, I mean, probably recognized that they were tearing people down and decided that he needed to build people back up because these are the next verses in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, and if you've ever attended church since 1901, between then and now, you've heard somebody who's preaching on a Sunday say, if you ever see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself what it is there for. Oh my goodness, that made me feel like I was 98 years old. No offense if you're 98, more power to you, but uh, if my friends heard me say that right now, they would make fun of me so much. But it's true, we need to know why is this therefore here. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, say endurance, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. But how? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So the, the author of Hebrews has just gone through the situation saying, hey, there are people, there are moments, there are situations of suffering where it's going to feel like you are so far from God and you're going to question whether or not the foundation that he's inviting you to stand on is worth it. He says, I get that. The author is understanding that. But then he goes into these verses at the beginning of Hebrews 12, and I believe he's giving us these, these, almost this outline or these steps that we can take to show us how we are able to endure through suffering when it feels like maybe God isn't there. Let's go through these quickly. First, we remember that we do not suffer alone. So much of our world is about me, myself, and I, and when we walk into seasons of suffering, we sometimes feel like we are the only person who has ever experienced this suffering before. But the fact is, if you look throughout history, and if you look at the world around you today, you are not alone in your suffering. He refers to this. We have this, this great cloud of witnesses who has walked through life, who has experienced the highs and also experienced the lows, there are others who have suffered and who have survived the suffering. Sometimes we feel like we're never going to make it out of the suffering. But we look at history and we see there are those who have walked what I have walked through, who have experienced what I have experienced, and some way, somehow, by the grace of God, they have survived the suffering. Sometimes all it takes is realizing that we're not alone in what we're experiencing that there are people who have faced the same trials, 
who faced the same moments of desperation, the same moments of feeling as if you have completely failed and there's no chance at redemption, and yet they were able to walk again. They were able to return to the firm foundation and continue to build their lives walking in step with God once again. We have this great heritage throughout time, throughout Scripture, of people that have suffered as well. But we also remind ourselves that Jesus suffered. Sometimes we... we we picture Jesus, and although he was fully human, he was fully God, and so maybe we sometimes think that his, the suffering that Jesus experienced, you know, it wasn't the same, but Jesus was fully human, and he suffered. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You may be suffering this morning, but nobody is crucifying you to a tree. That doesn't belittle, that doesn't diminish what you are experiencing, but Jesus suffered incredibly. And yet he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. What was the joy that was awaiting him or set before him? First, it was being unified with God the Father. He's he's once again returning to heaven and, and being with God our Father again. But secondly, the joy set before him, it was you. It was me. It was us. We are the joy that Jesus had in his mind that he was willing to look beyond the suffering of the cross and recognize that his love for us far surpassed anything that he would have experienced. He loved you. He loved me so much that he was willing to suffer so that when you and I would experience moments of suffering, we would not have to suffer for nothing but that there would actually be something at the end of this life, at the end of the suffering that we may experience that would in some way somehow make it all worth it because he would be the bridge that would unite us once again with God. Our sin, our brokenness, our own way of going, sometimes that, that separates us from God, but Jesus and the joy and the love that he has for you and for I is willing to suffer the cross so that you and I might have a bridge to return to the firm foundation of God. We do not suffer alone. People before us, people around us have suffered, and they have made it. Jesus suffered, and he invites you to partner with him because he knows what you are going through. We do not suffer alone. We also see from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, that we need to remove distractions. If we're feeling like we are so far gone in our suffering and we don't feel like we can go, sometimes there's steps that you and I can take. We need to remove distractions. It's been uh, just over a year since my family moved here to Huron, and we were living in Michigan for the couple years beforehand. And we lived in this tiny apartment, and we really didn't have much furniture worth bringing with us when we moved here. And so over the last year, we've had to uh, pick up some stuff to make sure that the only furniture in our home was not a lawn chair in the middle of the living room. So we bought this dresser a while back, and, and the guys delivered it. And I said, hey, do you guys mind helping us bring it into our house? Like, it's just my wife and I, and it's going to be a little bit too challenging. And they said, uh, no, and they drove away. And I was like, Okay. Thank you. I'm suffering here. God, what's this all about? So 
Christy and I, we tried to move it into our home, and we could not move it because it was a heavy dresser. And I just began to spiral. I was like, these guys are the worst. Like, I can't believe they dropped this off. Like, I'm going to have to knock on my neighbor's door, and he's going to be so mad. Even though he would have not have been mad. He was the nicest guy in the world. He would have helped me. But I was like, wait a minute. These drawers. Did these drawers come out? We removed the drawers. I don't know why the drawers were each 800 pounds, but when we removed the drawers from the dresser, we were suddenly able to, kind of struggling still, but we were able to move this dresser into our home and put the drawers back in place when we got it situated. And see, I think this is a good image for what you and I need to do when it comes to living with endurance. Sometimes we have things that we bring with us that hold us back. It might be a sinful habit. It might be an attitude that's not reflective of the way of Jesus. Maybe it's people in our lives that hold us back. And these things get a hold of us. They get a grip of our hearts, and it begins to pull us and steer us and shift us away from the firm foundation. Sometimes it's our very choices that lead us into seasons of suffering. And I... I, I don't say that in a a judgmental way, but I'm just saying that this is the reality of how suffering sometimes comes about. We need to be willing to cut these things out of our lives that are holding us back from running with purpose. Maybe it's things that need to be cut out forever, but maybe it's things that just need to be cut out for now. And when you feel like you have a bit of a secure footing on that firm foundation again that you can slowly bring something. Because again, sometimes the things that are holding us back from running with endurance are not bad. But we need to remove distractions. Third thing, we, we need to properly direct our gaze. Properly direct our gaze. I've been taking um, our two-year-old son to the park for the last several months, and he's just recently started climbing the slides, or climbing the ladders and going down the slides all by himself, and it's been a, a really big deal. He's, he's really pumped about it. But there's still a few times where he starts to climb the ladder, and he gets to a certain place, and he feels like he's stuck. And immediately, he begins to turn around, and he says, Daddy, help! Daddy, help, help, help! And at the beginning, I would grab him right away, and I would put him down and say, Oh, be careful, be careful! But what I've started to do recently is instead of immediately pulling him off that ladder, I leave him on the ladder. And, and if I was standing a few feet away from it, maybe I'd just take a, a couple steps closer and I simply say, you got this, buddy. You can do this. I, I'm with you. I'm right here. Keep climbing. Just take one hand and put it up on the next rung. And then after you've grabbed a hold of that rung, maybe just take your foot and move up one. And once you're secure, I've got you, buddy. Keep going. Keep going. It was kind of cute because we were leaving the park and we were walking across the street and I was holding his hand as we were going across the street. And he just looked up at me and he said, you can do it, Daddy. You've, You've got this. But see, sometimes I think we're climbing through life and we get stuck in our suffering. And we're facing things that we didn't anticipate, and, and it feels like God is nowhere to be seen. We can be honest. Like that, that's a, a real feeling that each of us has probably had at one point. God, you are nowhere near me right now. What are you doing? But when we properly 
direct our gaze, when we fix our eyes back on Jesus? It's almost like when Peter was walking on the water and he's looking at Jesus and he's walking on water and then he looks at the waves and he begins to sink. See, if we could get out of the habit of continually looking at the waves and the suffering and the heartache, it's there, it's a reality. I'm not, I'm not saying ignore it, but when we fix our eyes back on Jesus, we begin to realize that God is still right there with us saying, I've got you, my daughter. I've got you, my son. I'm right here. He doesn't pull us off the ladder of suffering, but he stands closer to us. And he reminds us of his presence. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear, for some have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. See, fixing our eyes on Jesus looks a lot like clinging to our faith in Christ. And how do we cling to our faith in Christ with these spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about for the last months? Things like celebration, chapter 1. Do you remember chapter 1? Celebration. Sabbath and rest. Making sure that we set aside time properly to not get caught up in the rat race or the chaos of life, but to also step back and recharge. Prayer. Communion with God. Serving other people. Confession. Abiding with the Holy Spirit, having humility, engaging in reading scripture, having a properly ordered heart. All of these things are ways that we fix our eyes on Jesus, ways that we cling to our faith, ways that we reestablish our footing on the firm foundation of Jesus. It might mean that we have to make changes. We might need to make some painful adjustments. Maybe it's our schedules or our priorities. Maybe it's redirecting time or energy or resources. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we see that as he's looking back at us, that we have purpose in our suffering. And he gives us what we need to just climb up to the next ladder, to just make it to the next day, to just proceed to the following week. Our firm foundation when it feels like our world is crumbling around us. I came across this study this week as I was doing some preparation, and it was a, a psychologist, and, and she was studying with a, a team of other psychologists of how people exercised resilience, or another way of saying that is endurance, when they walked through times of suffering and challenge. And this, is, this is just a, a little quote from the study that they put out. She said, I conducted face-to-face -face interviews with over a thousand families in Afghanistan. And if you had to boil down resilience or endurance to just one word, in their context, that word is hope. What makes some families more resilient than others is their ability to hang on to a sense of hope that gives meaning and order to suffering in life. What, makes, what matters to individuals facing adversity is a sense of, get this, meaning-making. Meaning-making. And what matters to endurance is a sense of hope that life does indeed make sense despite chaos, brutality, stress, worry, or despair. Some of you are walking through chaos and brutality 
and stress, worry, and despair. Can I remind you that there is meaning making that is happening in that? I, I don't, I don't want to be simplistic and suggest that sin can easily be, or suffering can easily be explained away and, and this is why you're suffering and this is how. Suffering is messy and complex and confusing. But can I remind you that there is meaning to be found in the suffering? Just like in the end of Hebrews chapter 11, sometimes we don't know it and we don't see it and we won't understand it on this side of eternity, but something is happening in you when you are suffering and you choose to still endure in the way of Jesus. Jesus is the hope. He's the one that, whom our meaning comes from. He is the rock and our foundation that we can build our lives on. When the suffering feels like it's too much to handle, Jesus is still there. He is still our way, and his way is still better than any way that we may choose to go. We do not suffer alone. We remove distractions. We fix our eyes on him, and as we do, he's faithful to give us what we need to endure. I want to leave you with a few action steps before we get ready to, to take off this morning. I want you to read Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. And it's a roller coaster, let me tell you, because you've got the highs of these heroes of the faith to be crashed down back to reality at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. But I, I want you to read it and be encouraged by the heroes who experienced great victory then also take comfort with those that are experiencing suffering the same way that you are. Second, I want you to reflect on what it is that you are suffering through today. And sometimes this can be painful, and this can be uncomfortable. But I want you to think, as you are looking at your situation, are you suffering in isolation? Have you secluded yourself from others? Have you, have you hidden the reality of what you're walking through? And if so, can you find somebody this week? Whether it's a, a loved one or somebody who volunteers or Pastor Tom or myself, somebody who you can bring into your circumstance just to be a, another person with you. Or maybe you're holding yourself back in ways with some sort of distraction. It's causing you to lose sight of fixing your eyes on Jesus. Can, can you cut some of the distractions this week? Can you direct your efforts, your attention, your eyes back to the foundation that's Jesus? And then the third thing is, I want you to decide that you're going to endure. And that might sound just kind of like, okay, thanks, Thaddeus. What, what does that mean? But I think when we make an intentional decision to say, you know, come hell or high water, which when you break it down is kind of a troubling saying, but regardless what I experienced this week, Jesus, this month, this year, I am going to choose to endure. 
I am going to choose to remain walking in the way of Jesus. I'm going to bring those spiritual disciplines into my life, even when it's tough to do so, even when it feels like there's other things that I need to take care of. I am going to decide to endure. And you're making that decision not just for yourself, but for people around you. Maybe your kids need you to decide that you are going to endure. Maybe your coworkers need you to decide that you are going to endure. Maybe your neighbors or your spouse or whoever it is. Maybe somebody in your life needs you to be the one to say, I am going to endure through this suffering no matter what I face. Would you close your eyes? Jesus, I thank you that no matter what we are experiencing in our everyday life, that like Psalms 23 verse 1 says, you are our shepherd and in you we have all that we need. God, I thank you that you invite us into your way that allows us to be like a tree rooted along the riverbank, prospering in all that we do, bearing fruit in every season. God, thank you that you invite us into that. God, the reality is sometimes we face face suffering that makes it so tough to decide that we're going to endure. And we lose sight of these reminders that you give us, that you're with us, and that you have all that we need. God, I pray this morning that you would remind us and that you would draw us back to the firm foundation that maybe we once knew or or maybe we've never experienced standing on the firm foundation that you offer us, God. Lord, I pray for the brokenhearted in this place. I pray for those that feel like they've made one mistake too many and they're too far gone. Pray for those that are hopeless. Those that don't have any more strength. Father, in a way that only you can, I pray that you would touch their lives. That Holy Spirit, you would begin to move over each situation, each heart, each individual, each family. And God, you would begin to draw us back to your firm foundation, that we would be able to grow in our spiritual disciplines and and, and mature as followers of you to a place that when the seasons of suffering come, that we're willing to say, Jesus, I still choose your way. I still choose to endure because you are good and your mercies are new every day. going to ask everybody to keep your eyes closed and not to do anything weird or freak anybody out, but just so that it's a, a moment that you can you know, be, be open and honest. But maybe you are at Restoration Church this morning and you're saying, Thaddeus, you know what? I can't endure anymore. I don't have anything left. And the suffering that I've gone through is, it's broken me. Would you be honest enough to just 
shoot up a hand and say, yeah, that's, that's me when I'm here today. Nobody's looking around. I promise. Just, just me. I'd say, I'm suffering. I'm going through it. Or maybe you're here and you've never actually put yourself on that firm foundation. You've never actually made the decision and, and you've maybe heard about it or others have told you about it or we've seen others experience it, but you've never decided, you know what, I, I need to put my life on the foundation that's Jesus so that when I walk through the seasons of suffering, I'll, I'll have a way to endure. And as you've been listening today, maybe you've just felt something in your, in your mind or even in, in your, your heart at the, the core of who you are. You've just felt this nagging feeling that something needs to change. And I believe that that's God saying, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready for you to accept the invitation that I have for you to stand on the firm foundation. And, and if you're here today and you're saying, yeah, I, I think I want to make that decision. I'm going to invite you. Just throw your hand up. Give me a wave. We want to pray with you today. God, you're good. And you are good even when we suffer. I pray that we would remember that, Lord. I pray for those that feel like they don't have enough to go on to Monday to face tomorrow. God, I pray today that what has been spoken would not be from me, but Jesus, it would have been from you and that you would speak directly to hearts to give us what we need to endure through our suffering. God, help us to renew our commitment to these spiritual disciplines, these, these tools and avenues that help us to draw closer to you so that we may stand on that firm foundation. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you. I pray this in your name. Amen. God is good. He is good. Well, hey, thank you so much for being with us. I'm grateful that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. I want to remind you that if you are a guest here, please see one of our hosts. Go check out the table at the back. We want to make sure that you get, get that gift. Again, the offering baskets are back there. Any other information that you have that you need or, or want for things that are going on here at Restoration, you can check it out there. And thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next week, hopefully in a cooler room. Amen. Take care, everybody.